Well, turning you, if you will, into the uh, Old Testament after the Psalms, before the New Testament, to the Old Testament book of Jonah, Jonah chapter three. We've been working our way through uh, this familiar passage of Scripture, the book of Jonah. The Lord said to Jonah, "Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, and preach against it, because there are evil people there." Nineveh was in this direction, Tarshish was in this direction, Jonah didn't go this way, Jonah went that way. We find in, uh, in Jonah's story just some very simple truths. Truth number one is, is you can't outrun the Lord's presence. Truth number two is, is if you're running from the Lord's presence, the enemy will offer transportation to help you get away from the Lord. And number three is this, if you're running from the Lord's presence and you find yourself in a crisis, it could be that God sent that crisis to get your attention. We see that in the life of Jonah. Chapter 1, we find Jonah running from the Lord. And chapter 1 ends with Jonah ending up in the belly of a great fish. Chapter 2, we find Jonah in the belly of the fish and Instead of what was taking, on, taking place inside the creature, we really read more about what was taking place inside the preacher. And we find Jonah praying to the Lord. Chapter 2 ends with Jonah surfing a wave of whale vomit straight to the shores onto dry ground. While Jonah was in the belly of that great fish, he redirected his attention from running away from the Lord to focusing on the Lord. It took a crisis to get his attention, but God clearly now has Jonah's attention. Jonah has redirected himself back facing the presence of God instead of running away from God. There's some in this very room, you've been running from God. I know of some who are running away from God. But there's probably several that I'm not aware of, but God knows. There's several that could very well be facing a crisis in your life. And it very well could be that God has sent that crisis to get your attention. I've got good news for you today. If you've been running from the Lord, there's good news. Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. If you're able, would you stand and honor the reading of God's Word in your copy or whatever device you may be using. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Say that with me, a second time. Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message that I tell you. Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now Nineveh was an extremely great city, a three-day walk. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In forty days Nineveh will be demolished. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, 
No person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10. God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. And he did not do it. Lord, would you bless the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I want to talk to you very clearly from the word of God. If it's clear, it will be because of the work of God. But I'm telling you today, God has a word for us about second chances and serious choices. And we all ought to be able to relate to both. Second chances and serious choices. I want to look first at the God of second chances. Verse 1 here in Jonah chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. There's a lot of people here this morning. This verse is what you need to hear. You've ignored God. You've run from God. You've gotten yourself in the mess. In a mess, the devil who has assisted you in this process, the devil who has provided opportunity, the devil who has provided transportation to get away from the Lord, you think. The devil has done all he can do. And now you realize that, that, that you've messed up. And the devil is filling your mind with thoughts like your damaged goods. You're no longer worthy. You've blown it. I want you to know that if you don't hear another verse, this ought to be one of the glor most glorious verses in all the Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I'm telling you, friends, we got a God who's a God of second chances. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Lord, this morning. Somebody ought to say thank you. The Bible's full of examples. Moses got a second chance. David got a second chance. Simon Peter, three times he denied that he knew the Lord Jesus just hours before Jesus would die for him on the cross. When Jesus arose on that glorious Sunday morning, you know what he told the woman that he met with? He said, go tell Peter... And the others that I've risen. When the Lord appeared to his disciples on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. It was the Lord who took Simon Peter aside. And he asked him not once, not twice, but three times. Peter, do you love me? I'm telling you, we serve a God who's the God of second chances. Moses can tell you about it. David can tell you about it. Simon Peter can tell you about it. The author of the Gospel of Mark, John Mark, he went along with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. About halfway through the time, John Mark quit. I'm going to tell you, I can't stand a quitter. 
I just can't. I struggle with quitters. I really do. But I'm telling you, God is greater than this preacher because God is a God of second chances. If it had been up to me and if it had been up to Paul, John Mark would have been done with. As a matter of fact, Paul and Barnabas split ways because of a disagreement about what to do with John Mark. They get ready to go on their second missionary journey. Peter looks, or, or, or Paul looks, and he says to Barnabas, Barn, what's he doing here? Well, I invited him to go with us. He didn't do too well on the first missionary journey. Paul says, yeah, I know. He quit on us. I'm done with him. Paul and Barnabas split up over a, a disagreement about John Mark. But I want to tell you, God's a God of second chances. Not only did God do a work in John Mark's heart, but God did a work in Paul's heart as well. Because we read in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, Paul's at the end of his life. And he's talking to Timothy and he's saying, I, I, I need you to come see me. But look at what he says. He says, bring Mark with you, for he's useful to me in the ministry. Oh, I'm telling you, friend, our God is the God of second chances. Let me tell you, you may have lost your virginity. The love of Christ can make you pure again. Hello? You may have lost your credibility. God can give you integrity again. I'm telling you, he majors in second chances. Aren't you grateful that we serve a God of second chances? The God of second chances. Now, I got to look though, when we talk about second chances, we got to point out something. And first, I want you to notice or understand the consequences of sin. Now, I'm making an assumption here because the scriptures don't tell us anything about this. But I'm making an assumption that three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish left scars on Jonah. I just believe that the gastric juices within the belly of that great fish, we know that his gastric juices were, 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 were real active because how did he get on the, on the shore? Yeah, they were active, right? And so I'm thinking that probably Jonah had, had scars on his skin where the gastric juices had, had already burned their way into his flesh. I don't think I'm guessing too much by making that assumption. But, uh, but I will tell you this. I think it's real clear because sin always leaves scars. There are always scars with sin. God will forgive. God will offer a second chance. But the scars of sin will always remain. Our God is a God of second chances. Hallelujah. But second chances don't wipe away the consequences of sin. But I want you to see a second thing. Not only the consequences of sin. But in this second chance I want you to see a consecrated servant. Verses 1 through 3. Notice it with me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah when a... Second time. Say that with me. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. One more time. Come on. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. A second time. Come on. This is good stuff. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach the message I will tell you. And unlike chapter 1, the Bible says, Jonah verse 3, got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's command. Now, Nineveh was an extremely great city a three-day walk. I want you to notice a few things about Nineveh. First of all, the miles. The miles in Nineveh. 
Emily and I spent this past week part of three days in New York City. We spent most of our time in Manhattan, population 1.7 million. It's believed that Nineveh was a city of a million people. It was a great city. And the Bible gives details of how, how Jonah walked three days into that great city. Emily and I walked one day into the great city. And I don't know how my phone did it, but my phone kept up with my miles on Wednesday. 8.1 miles we walked on Wednesday. And we didn't even get a glimpse of that great city. Now this was on my phone. I'll show you what was on Emily's phone. <laughs> That's Wednesday night. Jonah traveled from Tarshish to Nineveh. Then he walked the city streets of Nineveh for, for three whole days. This is what I look like after one day. Jonah walks the streets for three days. He had to have been worn out. But each day he went. You know why he went? It's because he was consecrated. Consecrated means he was devoted. He was dedicated to. He was all in. Totally committed. Totally surrendered. The Lord gave Jonah a second chance. And Jonah now is saying... I'm serious about what God's called me to do. Jonah was consecrated. I want to ask you this morning, how about you? Has the Lord given you a second chance? A third chance? A fourth chance? A twentieth chance? Don't we owe him our consecration? Don't we owe him a total surrender? Don't we owe him to be all in? You know, we, we got too many hokey pokey church members. We got one foot in and one foot out. And depending where we are, we shake it all about. That's, that's a lot of us. But to a God of second and third and fourth and fifth and twentieth and fiftieth chances, we owe him our consecration. There's a beautiful hymn that was written about this. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands and let them move, listen to this, at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages for thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. The consecrated servant came in response to the God of second chances. The miles wasn't easy to do. But I want you to notice second the message that he gave. Verse 4. Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and, and proclaimed, In 40 days Nineveh 
will be demolished. Now, I don't know if he said that with cheerfulness. He didn't love Nineveh. I don't know if he was happy to proclaim that message, but he proclaimed the message that God gave him. And and it's at this point that the focus of this passage begins to transition away from Jonah to Nineveh. Away from the preacher to the people. And we transition now from the God of second choices or second chances to those of us who have serious choices. I want you to notice the choice that the people in Nineveh had to make. And I want you to notice first the window of opportunity. The window of opportunity. The, me- uh, the message here in verse 4. Jonah, Jonah set out on the first day of his walk in the city and proclaimed, In 40 days Nineveh will be demolished. Now, this is a side of God that a lot of folks don't like to see. This is a side of God that a lot of folks failed to mention. We say God is a God of love, but I'll tell you, God is also, according to the Bible, a God of judgment, and sin will be judged. The wages of sin from the garden, from the time sin entered into the picture, throughout until Jesus comes, the wages of sin has been, is, will be death. Separation from God. No life as God intended. That's the message. So God's wrath is on display in this message that he's given Jonah to preach to the people of Nineveh. But boy, there's just a little dash of grace. And I want you to pay attention to the grace because for some reason, for some reason, and the only explanation is grace, for some reason, God gave Nineveh a 40-day window of opportunity. Why didn't he just wipe them out right there on the spot? Would he have been justified? Yeah. These were horrible people. Would God have been justified? Absolutely. But God gave them a window of opportunity. I wonder, has God given any of us a window of opportunity? My friend Chris Singleton has shared several times God was dealing with his heart. God was stirring his heart. God was, was, was really tugging at him. And all Chris wanted to do was get through singing that last hymn of invitation so that he could get out of here and get away. And Chris's testimony was, I made it right out there to the front where the, where the concrete is. And he said, I was ready to step into that parking lot, onto that asphalt, get in my car and leave. And he said, when I picked my foot up, he said, I knew that if my other foot hit that asphalt, that I would have no more chances. Is that what it is, Chris? He said, I realized that was my window of opportunity. Now, how did Chris know that? I don't know. If he'd have hit that asphalt, would God have struck him down on the spot? I don't know. But I'll tell you, Chris realized how important it was to seize that opportunity when he had it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today. Hebrews 3.15 Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. 
today. Today is your window of opportunity. Some here this morning, the Lord's been dealing with you for a while. What if that window of opportunity was closed today? You say, Brother Jim, don't try to scare me into the kingdom. I'd rather scare you into the kingdom than just play with you and let you work your way into hell. Today. You got a window of opportunity today. Do you have tomorrow? I don't know. But I know you got today. And today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Romans 6.23, the Bible says, The wages of sin is death. It always has been. It is. It always will be. Sin has a price. And the price is death. There were some serious choices that the people of Nineveh had to make. And they recognized a window of opportunity. And they took it seriously. But I want you to notice, secondly, not just the window of opportunity, but I want you to hear the words of humility. The words of humility. And there's three things that really stand out. Would you look at this with me? First of all, I want you to notice their confession. Verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God. Now, what did they believe? When you look at the message that Jonah gave them in verse 4, his message was real simple. He said, in, in 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. Now, was that all Jonah said? Did Jonah say more than that, just not record it? We don't know. This is what we have. In 40 days, you're going to be demolished. Here's what we do know. Whether he said anything else or not, Nineveh agreed that God's judgment would have been justified. They agreed. They realized that they were guilty of sin against God. They realized they were guilty of sin against others. The people of Nineveh believed God. We deserve judgment. And this is big. Because you'll never realize how much you need a Savior until you fully understand just how much you deserve a sentence of hell. Listen to me. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In the Greek, the translation for all means all. Everybody. It's not confusing. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin, who has sinned? All of us. The wages of sin is death. Always has been, it is, always will be. We've all sinned. We deserve death. Separation from God forever in a place called hell. And when you realize the seriousness of that sentence, you'll recognize the need for a Savior. And you'll seize that window of opportunity. Their confession. God was just. We deserve the judgment. But I want you to notice secondly their contrition. Verse 5. Then the people of Nineveh believed God. Their confession. They proclaimed a fast. A fast was no food. Just focus on this broken relationship between them and God. And they dressed in sackcloth, which is a sign of mourning. 
Mourning over what? Mourning over their sin. They're not dead yet. They're not mourning over death, but they are mourning over the fact that, that my sin has caused this God of love to, to, to issue a message of judgment against me. And these folks were mourning about their sin against God and against others. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. I want to ask you, do you think God had the attention of the people of Nineveh? Now I want you to notice whose attention he got first. He got attention of the people. We'll read in a minute how the king of Nineveh responded. You know, it's interesting to me. There's some Christians who think that Donald Trump or Mike Pence or whoever will be the next in line are going to lead us to some sort of return to righteousness. I'll tell you what will happen when the people get right with God our leadership will reflect it. And that's what happened in Nineveh. See, the shame and the disgrace of the conduct and all the chaos in Washington, it's a reflection of the people. And I wonder what would happen if God got our attention like he did the people of Nineveh. Well, let's read what happened in Nineveh and see. Verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and dressed in sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When word reached the king of Nineveh about all this that's going on, this mourning, this repenting, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robe, put on sackcloth and sat in ashes. He's mourning too. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh by order of the king and his nobles. No person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. This is a fast. We're so, he said, everybody, I want you to just sit there and I want you to focus on this broken relationship with the God of all creation. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered, covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God... Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. And that word wrongdoing, that's a, that's a soft word. He literally means we need to turn from our terroristic acts. Is really what he's saying. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. The people's confession, God, you'd be justified in judging us. You're, you're not wrong for judging us. We're, we're sinners. We've sinned against you. We've sinned against humanity. Their contrition. These folks are mourning over their sin. Not just over the judgment to come, but, but over their sin. You say, well, how do you know they were mourning over their sin? Because immediately they're already starting to turn from their sin. They're turning from their sin, still expecting to be judged at the end of 40 days. 
That's true contrition. But I want you to notice thirdly, their, their condition. Verse 9, who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. God's justified. We've sinned. He might accept our confession and our contrition, but he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us anything. We deserve judgment. And this is a condition of brokenness that's missing in a lot of decisions made for Christ. Some people get this idea that they, it's almost like they think, I'm going to be doing God a favor if I give my life to him. Now the condition of my heart is, is that God doesn't owe me anything. I deserve judgment. I'm sorry for my sins. And by his grace, by his mercy, I may have a chance. The people of Nineveh were sinners and they knew it. They deserved judgment and they knew it. And they were broken over their sin. Listen to this. And God knew it. God knew it. Look at verse 10. God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. And he did not do it. Now, some translations say God repented. Let me tell you, God didn't repent. The people repented. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of attitude. It's a change of action. It's an about face. It's a turn from the way you were going back towards where God is. Nineveh repented. Say that with me. Nineveh repented. Nineveh repented. God relented. There's a difference in the two. In repenting, Nineveh said, we're guilty of everything. And God is justified in doing what he says. In relenting, God didn't say, uh, their sin really wasn't that bad. In relenting, God didn't say, maybe I've been a little harsh with Nineveh. That's not what God was saying. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin has been, is, always will be death. Separation from God. Nineveh still had a wage. They deserved judgment. They deserved death. And that would be the price that had to be paid for their sin. But God relented. God did not do away with the debt. God did not say, oh, we'll just forget about all that and start over. That's not what God did. God said, in about 800 years, my son will die on the cross for the people of Nineveh. I'm going to relent. I'm going to hold off my judgment on their sins. And because they have turned back to me, because they have repented, I'm going to relent and I'm not going to place my judgment on them. I'll place my judgment on their Savior, my son. That was 2,000 years ago. It's a real event that happened. Christ on the cross, it's, it's, it's not a fairy tale. It's the most documented event in all of human history. 
We live in the year 2019 A.D., Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. All of time changed on the appearance of Jesus. All of eternity changes because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He died for the sins of Nineveh. And he died for the sins of Memphis and Dothan and Houston County. He died for our sins. But boy, in the people of Nineveh and in Jonah's life, we see a true picture of salvation. You want to get right with God today? You want to get right? You want to make sure that it's all nailed down? You want to be at peace? Do you want it to be well with your soul? Follow the pattern that Nineveh did. We know it worked. And it starts with confession. I want to ask you this morning. Has there ever come a time where you have confessed your sinfulness? And the fact that you truly do deserve God's judgment because of what you've done against Him and against others. Have you ever confessed that? Number two is contrition. Are you really sorry for your sin against God and against others? I mean, are you really... Uh, it, it, does it bother you that you have sinned against God and others? And, and are you willing to say, man, that's a horrible way to live. And I want to I turn. I don't want to run against God's will anymore. I want to run in His will. And then what's the condition of your heart and mind? Because if it's, now God, you owe me. You're not ready to be saved. Because he doesn't owe you anything. But are you willing to say, God, have mercy on me? I'm a sinner. You know how you can know if it really takes place? You'll know if there's consecration. If you're willing to say, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, for thee. Not my will, but your will be done. And when this happens, God will relent. He will take the judgment that you deserve and he will apply that judgment back to the cross where Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But he washed it white as snow. Our God is a God of second chances. We are a people with some serious choices. Would you be willing to follow the program that Nineveh followed? So that God can relent. And he can give you purpose and meaning in your life. Father I thank you.
I thank you, Lord, for all of the times that you've given me a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. God, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that I've acted against you. I'm sorry for how I've hurt other people. I don't want to do that anymore, Lord. Thank you for being willing to pay the price that I ought to have to pay. And Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. Lord, that's my prayer. And I believe it's the prayer of many today. Would you hear these prayers from humble hearts? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.